Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, Calvary, today we are going to be taking a break from our study in the book of Matthew, and we are going to be focusing in on one of the things that is so, so important to us in the life of our church, and that is that we have a calling from the great commission that Jesus gives to us at the end of the book of Matthew to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to hear us talk a lot over the course of this year about how we are reaching out to nations and neighbors. We want those that live close to us and those that live on the other side of the world to know the life change that happens through Jesus Christ. Now, when you give to missions at Calvary, uh, that resource that you give as you support what's happening in missions through your financial giving goes to people, the missionaries that we partner with, into projects, opportunities that we have to be a part of big things that are happening to reach people around the world. And this year, we're gonna help you to see kind of more than ever before how you're giving, how you're praying, how you're going is making a difference around the world in both people and in projects. We'll talk about that a little bit more here at the end of the service. But one of the projects that we are going to come alongside and partner with in this coming year is with Convoy of Hope. You've heard us mention Convoy many times over the years as a partner in times of disaster relief, but Convoy does so much more. And today, I am honored to introduce to you our guest who's gonna bring God's word to us today. Pastor Manny Rosario is the Vice President of Network Relations for Convoy of Hope. In his role, he is helping to equip individuals who are serving around the world through a connection back with the local church. Pastor Manny has all kinds of great ministry experience, but he has a heart for the lost and a heart to serve Jesus. I am so honored that he is here today. So Calvary, would you stand to your feet and give a great big Calvary welcome to Pastor Manny Rosario as he brings God's words to us today. What a pleasure. Hey, that's good, but if it's for Jesus, can we give it even stronger? Come on, let's give it, let's give it for Jesus. Amazing, amazing, amazing. You may be seated. Uh, what an honor it is to be at Calvary. And uh, Pastor ja Chad, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and honor uh, to be right here at your church. You're not here, obviously, but uh, I look forward to seeing you real soon and connecting with you. We have a mutual connection, and, and it's their son, uh, Clayton, and uh, daughter-in-law, Ariana, that work at Convoy of Hope. And that's how we got connected. And I think, I, I just love how God works in mysterious ways. Uh, we've been with Convoy for a little over seven months, and we met them our first month in. And uh, we love them so much that we've adopted them as kind of like our kids. And so we play board games and hang out together, eat together. I grill, and it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. But uh, glad to be here at, with the Calvary family. This, I feel like I'm at home for uh, two reasons. One, um, I love church. I love church family because I'm a pastor's kid, and the church helped raise me. And so that's number one. Number two, Calvary, because the church I left in Orlando to come and be a part of a Convoy was also called Calvary. I was a, a pastor at Calvary Orlando and a large church there in the city of Orlando. So uh, I'm just glad I get to meet some more of my brothers and sisters. So uh, we're family. We're familia. Familia. So I'm from Puerto Rican descent. So uh, brace yourself. Uh, if I get loud, um, it's, it's not that I'm angry. It's just I'm happy and excited 
Um, so just want to have fun with all of you. Uh, listen, I, I, I just want to celebrate uh, Calvary for having a heart for missions and outreach. I believe that when a church moves from being inward focused to being outward focused, uh, you live a cause-driven uh, mission. Uh, it reminds me of that in 1 Samuel uh, 17, don't look for it now, uh, David, before he could ever fight Goliath, the first giant he had to fight was his brother. When his brother says, why are you here and with who you left your, your few sheep? And David's response was, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Y'all are just sitting here and just talking and afraid of this giant and this guy's defying the people of God. Is there not a cause? And what I love about this church is that you're, like, you're saying there is a cause and we're all about it. And so I just want to celebrate you for what you're doing uh, locally and around the world and your partnership with Convoy, which I want to give you an update on where we are. Uh, 2023 uh, is a banner year for us because our goal by 2030 is to feed over 1 million children a day. That's our goal by 2030. Last year was a historic year for Convoy of Hope uh, because we just surpassed half a million children being fed uh, every school day around the world. And uh, that's because of your partnership. Um, I also wanna let you know that women and girls are very important to us. We wanna empower women uh, around the world because in many places and cultures, women are treated as objects. And we wanna shift that, we wanna change that. We wanna give them their dignity back. So we're helping women not only be empowered, but we wanna help women start their own businesses. And we have so many stories which you can look at in our website when you have time of different women that have taken initiative that we've trained to help start their businesses and young girls that we're training and helping find dignity and identity uh, so they can also be empowered to do so much more. We've so far trained over 33,000 women uh, just in that, in that initiative. Yeah, we can thank God for that. Um, I mentioned feeding children, and sometimes we're like, well, we don't want to always be feeding children, because and then that, that's, that's generational. Well, we're also training farmers, because we only want to feed one generation of kids so that then those kids, when they grow up, could feed their, themselves and feed their families. And so we're doing something all around the world where we're training farmers uh, to know what kind of soil they have, and then learn to farm and, and just work through agriculture, uh, their land, and then not only sow it, but then grow it, and then later on, just give it, you know, sell it or give it away. There's also a story on the website of a place in Nepal, after a great disaster that happened, we went and helped them. And once they built it up and started selling this tea that now is going around all around the world, Convoy said, hey, you guys are on your own, you guys have this, and now this tea, we probably drank some at Starbucks. Uh, because it's gone all over the place, and the government themselves said, we don't need your help anymore, we got this. And we said, that's exactly what we wanna hear. So 22,000 farmers have been trained uh, it, through agriculture around the world. And then lastly, as you all know, there's disasters happening all over the world, um, uh, whether it's locally through a hurricane or a tornado or a flood, um, but also the war in Ukraine, that was a unique uh, disaster. And we call, the, we call them disasters because it's anything that breaks the normal system of life. And so we responded, and we have re responded to over 60 disasters worldwide. And all of that is possible because of churches like Calvary that partner with us. So on behalf of our president, Hal Donaldson, and on behalf of children, women, and farmers, and people all around the world, thousands of them, we want to say thank you. So you guys applauded for Convoy. I want to applaud you for the amazing work y'all are doing to help us reach people. 
All right, so I hear you guys are in an amazing series called uh, Living on a Prayer. And as you heard Pastor Chad say, uh, we're going to pause on that for today. But I do want to keep kind of the same thread of where you guys are. Because I believe it, it kind of, it's going to coincide, it's going to all work together. And I want to talk on the subject today, Bread for My Friends. Bread for My Friends. And you may be like, what kind of title is that? Well, it's going to make sense in a minute. Um, uh, you know, one of the things about the Lord's Prayer is there's, there's a teaching in all of it. And from what I've heard and what I saw recently watching Pastor Chad's message uh, last uh, week, uh, he talked about, give us this day our daily bread. Talking about how God is our provider. And we could rely on God to give us what we need for today. Um, you know, and if you rewind a little further, he starts with our Father who art in heaven, where Jesus is including us in his family, right? Uh, and then he goes on to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God really wants what's happening in heaven to happen here on earth, right? It's a kingdom mentality. And then give us this day our daily, daily bread, which talks about relying on God for our daily provision, not only through his word, but in everything that we need. We know that he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's today's message. It's been great to be with you today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I want to take it a little further. If we could just scroll on this, if this was a video, and go into Luke 11, we see that he's also teaching, just like in Matthew, he's teaching about the Lord's Prayer, but then he goes into a parable that I want to, I want to speak on today. So I invite you to, to the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And he says like this, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. He says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, hey, hey friend, hey, bro. It doesn't say bro, but that's, that's my Ebonics from New York City. Uh, he says, hey, friend of mine ha has just arrived for a visit. My friend has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for them to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. Look what he says. I can't help you, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough. That's what I want to talk on today. If you keep knocking long enough. He will get up and give you whatever you need because, you're sh because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. And if you ask, you will keep on seeking. And if you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I want to speak on how we can have a life of disruptive compassion. How we as believers... And those in Christ and those in the family of God should wake up this disruptive compassion towards others. We're living in a world nowadays where uh, people are more offended and people are more angry. Would you agree? Yep. Uh, if it's not the media that's moving it, it's just where we are in our, in our lives and in, th in where we are in our cities and where we are with what's going around the world but it shouldn't catch us by surprise because we're reminded of what Jesus said when he said that the love of many would grow cold. That in the last days, the, the love of many would grow cold. I can tell you that just a few weeks ago, I was at a coffee shop and it was full, full to capacity. 
and I noticed that there was a space at this table where there was a lady, and so I simply went up to her and I said, um, is it okay if I just have this corner uh, of, this, of this table? She says, do whatever you want. I said, okay. I said, well, good morning. Good morning, it's a great morning. She was like, what's so good about it? I said, meeting you today. You're the first person I get to greet, right? So she goes back into her phone, I'm on my laptop and I'm working. A few minutes later, she taps me on my arm and she says, hey. And I said, yes. And she says, why were you so nice to me? And I said, because it's just the right thing to do. I'm just, you know, I think you're a nice person. And I, I think I just, that's just the right thing to do. I like to be kind to people because I like to give back and that's just, that's just who I am. She says, yeah, 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 but, but why, why are you being so nice? I said, because it's the right thing to do. And she went on to open up about her life and what's going on currently in her life and what's happening with a family member at the hospital. And it just created this space where I could ask her if she need, needed prayer. And I got a chance to pray with her and she was blessed by that. And she leaves and the barista comes and sits next to me. She says, I can't believe that happened. I said, what do you mean? She says, he's been coming here for the last three days and she's making everyone around her's life impossible. And you just simply were nice to her and she opened up. I said, what if we all just had this way of thinking that when somebody's mean to us, we respond not by me mean, being mean, but we respond by simply being kind. And uh, we could change a lot of lives that way. And we recognize that that requires us stepping out of our comfort zone, doing what's not normal, doing what breaks uh, culture in many ways, and doing what God has called us to do. That we're blessed when we're persecuted. Can you believe that? Jesus said that. We're blessed when they come against us. We're blessed when they speak against us. It's a sign that we're doing the will of God. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do. Would you say amen to that? God wants us to have disruptive Compassion. You see, disruptive compassion breaks the enemy's strategy over our lives and over the lives of others. You see, when we have a, a, a way of living that's disruptive, not disruptive in a bad way, not disruptive where we're going out to the streets and picketing and fighting and looking to, to provoke things, but a distru disrupting the status quo, disrupting what's always, how things have always been done, and, and, but disrupting it with compassion. That word compassion is key. You see, Jesus uses the word compassion. And in fact, when he saw the harvest, the Bible says that he had great compassion over them. But that word compassion is in the Greek gut-wrenching pain or feeling for them because they, did, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever eaten like some kind of food? Maybe not Puerto Rican food, maybe Mexican food. Um, and, and after like, because it was so spicy, you have like gut-wrenching pain. Think about that, right? It messes with you because it's just, it's an internal pain. I, I pray that God gives us gut-wrenching compassion. Like somebody's like, I don't want that kind of pain. It doesn't hurt like eating like spicy uh, food or anything that could have messed up your stomach. It's a pain that makes you want to do something. It, it's a pain that makes you say, somebody has to do something about this. And maybe it's me. And, and, and you see, I, if, if you're married to comfortable then you've already set the ceiling of your impact. 
But I believe that there's people here that want to get out of their comfort zone and, and, and leave the status quo and say, you know, it's not about somebody needs to do something about it. It's not about our country needs to do something about it. Our mayor or our president needs to do something about it. Or our pastor needs to do something about it. I need to do something about it. it it's my job to step out of my comfort zone and have disruptive compassion for those that are in need. You see, it's no longer that. It's not us saying Jesus needs to come already because this, this world is going cray-cray. <laughs> and Jesus is like, I'm not coming until you fulfill your purpose. Amen. I'm not coming until the church comes back alive and serves the needs of the people. I'm not coming until the church steps out of this inward focus and goes out into the highways and byways and compels them to come. You see, that's what I believe God is calling us to do, and that requires disruptive compassion. I'd like to share a couple of ways that Jesus teaches us to live with disruptive compassion. Number one, he wants to give us a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. You see, if we read the passage, it says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Somebody say midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Disruptive compassion requires us to have a sense of urgency. Now, what is a sense of urgency? A sense of urgency is that I need to do something about this. That, that, that means that I, I'm not going to wait for somebody to do it. God's waking something within me to make something happen. God's awakening me to make something happen. Notice that it says midnight. He didn't come in the daytime, didn't come in the morning. He realized that he had a friend that was coming, and the friend was coming at midnight. So he wakes up in the middle of the night and goes to a friend's house to ask for bread. I, I want to I take a moment to pause and say he's asking for bread for his friends, which is contrary to what the Lord's Prayer said. The Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Here he's saying, I need bread for my friends. You see, there comes a point in our Christian life where it's no longer about me. God bless me. God give me. God send me. It comes a point where we have to say, God, I have friends that need you too. And they need bread the same way you send me bread. Is that good? Are you receiving that? I believe God wants to give us a sense of urgency to realize that it's no longer I, I, I that is in need of prayer. I need to pray for those that don't even know him. I need to pray for those that are broken and need more of him. You see, in ancient culture, it was very prevalent that if somebody was coming to visit you, you had to have a morale for hospitality. I grew up in the 80s in New York City. I'm the son of a pastor um, I grew up in church. You hear that a lot, but I literally grew up in church. I grew, grew up in the third floor of a church building, literally, in a small room that probably the size of many of our closets. And um, my dad pastoring the city and pastoring in the city of Brooklyn, New York. Um, but it was cool because it was a community. Our block, the majority of the people that lived in our block went to our church. And so when there was a need, it was easy for my mom to call, you know, one of the sisters in the church and say, hey, I ran out of tomato sauce. Do you have some? And she, oh, yeah, I got some. I'll drop it off at your house, right? And then if uh, the neighbor needed something, my mom would go and drop it off to her. And if you, there was a light bulb that was missing or fluorescent lights, it's crazy, there was fluorescent lights in our apartment 
uh, upstairs, like big, long fluorescent lights. But if there was lights missing, we could go even to our, the, the local corner bodega, the, the little supermarket, and Mario, the Italian, Italian guy, he would give us a, it, we would trade a fluorescent light for like a, a bucket and some mops, and they would just all like work together. Can I tell you also that my mom always had Enterman's pound cake, but we couldn't eat it. Now, we weren't allowed to eat it because that Enterman's pound cake was reserved just in case a visitor came. And so, so my mom was waiting. She, was, she just loved when people came, came over to the house. And, and, and so we never could touch the pound cake. But, 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 and when they would come over, of course, coffee and pound cake, coffee and pound cake. It was great. You can't do that nowadays because if somebody knocks on our door, we're like, everybody hide. Everybody you go over there, you go over there, and, and, and let's see who's at the door. Look at the camera, look at the app, look at the ring camera. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's a different culture nowadays. But in ancient culture, it was, it was part of the morale that if somebody was coming over, you would have hospitality towards them. It was a moral obligation. Notice Jesus says friends and he doesn't say brothers. Or sisters. He says friends because these people are not a part of the faith. You see, God wants us to make space for those that don't look like us, talk like us, have the same culture as us, don't have the same upbringing as us. God wants us to have, make space because our friends are coming. And we may not have what we need, but we know who does. And so we need to begin to start knocking and asking God with a sense of urgency. The great Reinhard Bonnke, which was the evangelist to the continent of Africa, he said this once. He says, we are trying to motivate Christians everywhere with the love of Christ for the lost and to help them with a sense of urgency that we have for, to reach unbelievers everywhere before it's too late. We need a sense of urgency to wake up at midnight. Nobody wants to wake up at midnight. Midnight's when you're like in your second or third dream. That's when it's like that deep sleep, right? That's when you're really getting it in. But God, what if God is waking us up in this midnight hour? Now, midnight means a lot of things in the Bible, but one of the things it means is end times. And I'm not here to preach doom and gloom, but I can tell you that Jesus is closer to his coming than ever before. And what if God is calling a church like ours, this church, Calvary, to wake up in the midnight hour and ask God for bread for our friends? Because we want them to be saved as well. We want them to be satisfied with the bread of life, Jesus Christ, as well. That's what God is calling us to do. I wonder if there's a church here in Toledo, Ohio, that can find the urge to do something in the midnight hour. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 11 through 13 says. It says, never be lazy. Tell your neighbor, stop being lazy. It's in the Bible, so you don't, nobody should be offended. It says, never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord, listen to this, enthusiastically. I love that word. Right? Serving God should never hurt. It's not that we have to do this. It's that we get to do this. 
And when we do it, we do it with passion. We do it with love. We do it because we enjoy doing it with all of our heart. I heard a story recently of, um, in the 80s when a Discovery was going up to space. There was a man that was over here. He was mopping the, the floors at NASA right there at Kennedy Space Center. And he was mopping and mopping. And one of the, pre the president at this time, uh, President Reagan, went up to him. And he said, sir, what's your name? He said, my name is John. He says, what is your duty here? He said, my job is to make sure that this floor is ready and clean so that when the astronauts get ready to go, they are ready and they are on mission. I am just as important as those astronauts going to the moon because I'm making sure this floor looks great before they go up. Talk about owning the room. Talk about owning this responsibility. What if we owned our responsibilities and our call to know that I play a part in people going to heaven. I play a part in people being a part of the kingdom of God. I play a part and I should do it enthusiastically. Somebody praise God for that today. Listen to what it says. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So number one, we need a sense of urgency. Number two, we need to have shameless persistence. We need to have shameless persistence. Look what it says in verses seven through nine. It says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed, and I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for, his friend, for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. See, this guy recognized, I, I, I need something for my friends. And so he's going to the door, and he's saying, hey, I need bread. I need three loaves of bread because my friend is coming. I need bread. Are you there? Please open the door. I need bread for my friends. And I can just imagine the guy downstairs. He's looking. He's like, my kids are sleeping. My wife is sleeping. It's midnight. What are you doing waking us up? My, my dog is barking. Now the neighbors are upset with me because you keep on knocking and you don't stop. Stop knocking. He's like, no, I can't stop knocking. I need bread. Shameless persistence. Can I tell you this? Recently, about a few, week, a few weeks ago, one of, my, one of my neighbor's sons, his name is Keith, he was doing a fundraiser for school, and he was selling chocolates. I know he was selling chocolates because I wasn't home, but my ring camera caught him. And on my ring camera, his face was this close to the camera. And he's ringing the doorbell, and he's like, are you guys there? Are you guys there? Because I, need, I have chocolate. You guys need to buy some chocolate. And he's ringing the doorbell. I know you're there. I know you can see me. Right? So I didn't catch it the first time. That was, that was one day. And I, that night, I, looked, I told my wife, we were traveling. I said, Mimi, look at this. Keith is over here knocking on the door. He's asking for chocolate. His face is so close to the camera. The next day, around the same time, he comes and he's with his dad. And so he's knocking on the door. And he's like, hey. Open the door. I have chocolate. And I have to do this fundraiser for school. You need to buy at least three or four bars. Open the door. I know you're in there. And Keith's dad is like, Keith, I don't think they're home. No, I know they're there. So I finally see him. This time I caught it through the notifications on my phone. And I look, and through the ring camera, I go ahead and hit the microphone. I said, Keith. He was like, I knew you guys were there. 
And I said, we're not there, but give us a couple of days and we'll be home and I'll buy as much chocolate as you want. He was like, you promise? I said, I promise. What I loved about Keith was he had shameless persistence. He wasn't embarrassed to ask. There's something about childlike faith that they don't worry about what people think. Childlike faith doesn't care what other people are saying or what other people think about them. Childlike faith doesn't care what social media comments say about them. Childlike faith is like, I have chocolate and you need to buy some. And I know you're there. <laughs> you see, this man had childlike faith to keep on knocking because he knew that this guy had the bread. I want to tell you that, that our God is the owner of a cattle of a thousand hills. There, there's no need in the kingdom of God. And if we're willing to ask God for the needs of others, you can be ready that if you do this, God is willing to pour it into your hands as long as you don't do this. Because as long as your hands are open, you become a conduit of blessing, not only for yourself, but for others. You become a pipeline where God begins to flow through you, the blessings of God, so that others can receive the bread of life that can only come from God. I believe that in this house right here and in the next room next door and those that are watching online, there is a bunch of people that have senseless and shameless persistence to come and knock on the door and say, I need bread for my friends. And I will keep on knocking until you open the door. Wow. And you may say, why do you have to get so loud? Because the world is yelling even louder. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the world celebrates people that wear tight-skinned pants and jerseys and play for a team that is owned by somebody with a lot of money. And we are willing to become fanatics of a team we do not own, but we feel like we're a part of. How much more for us that we know how the book ends and we know how the victory has already been won on the cross of Calvary. How much more should we celebrate Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? So, so I, 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 I challenge you to have shameless persistence. I challenge you to get loud for the sake of others. I challenge you to, to shake the walls of the kingdom of God and the doors and the gates of the kingdom of God so that others may know who he is. It's a shameless knock. You see, what Mother Teresa once said was this. She says, don't think that love in order to be genuine has to be extravagant. What we need is to love without getting tired. If we're willing to love without getting tired, if we're willing to love without getting offended, if we're willing to love like Jesus, we will accomplish so much more right here in Toledo, right here in Ohio, right all over the world. I believe that that's what God is calling us to do, to have a shameless persistence, to do whatever it takes to get what we need. Notice that the man said, he said, come and get whatever you need, not because we're friends, but because of your shameless persistence. See, God wants us to be able to have a shameless persistence that's not based on covenant of friendship, but based on loving others as we love ourselves. Calvary Toledo, I came from Springfield, Missouri to tell you that we need to knock on the door for bread. And because our friends are coming, and you may say, where, where, where are they coming from? Like, are they flying in? Are they driving in? No, no, no. Our friends are right here among us. 
You see, we need to keep knocking for the prodigal sons and daughters. They're coming. You know who they are. They're those sons and daughters and nephews and nieces that have left the faith but need a church like ours and need our faith to come back. We need to keep knocking for them. We need to keep knocking for those that are bound by anxiety and those that are bound by depression. I'm tired of hearing stories of people that have done away with their life and given up on life. We need to be that church that helps people with mental illness and giving them the hope of Jesus. We need to knock for those in need. We need to knock for those that are struggling with sexual identity so they could know who they are in Christ Jesus. We need to knock on the door for those that are struggling in a broken marriage on the verge of divorce. We have the solution and his name is Jesus. We need to knock for co-workers that we will meet tomorrow in the greatest mission field you'll ever be connected to, the workforce, that we could go back to and share the love of Jesus with them. We need to knock for the children that are dying of hunger. Today, over 16,000 children will die of hunger because they don't have what they need. We need to knock on the door for provision to come to them. We need to knock on the door for women that are treated as object and sell, they're sold as sex slaves. We need to knock on God's door because they need him as well. We need to knock on the door for those that are persecuted through war because they didn't ask for this war, but they're in the middle of it. It takes us, all of us, to knock on heaven's door. I love that the, the, the sermon uh, series title is uh, Living on a Prayer. I want to give you another great song, uh, Knock, Knock, Knock on Heaven's Door. I really believe that God wants us to knock on his door. In fact, he's, he's waiting for us to knock on his door. And lastly, I want to tell you that it's going to take compassion. Compassion is what opens the door. You see, in verse 10, it says this, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is Jesus finishing after the Lord's Prayer. He's telling them this. And the parable puts you and I in the position and posture for others. That we should have a posture looking out for the best of others. The world is selfish enough. What would happen if a church becomes selfless? What would happen if we stop focusing on our wins and we focus on the wins of others? You see, this is not in my outline, but I could tell you of a man in the 70s that came uh, from the Caribbean only to be introduced to what was going on in the 70s and 80s, the crack epidemic, the drug epidemic. He was quickly introduced to drugs, only to find out later on, this is in the Bronx, New York, that a friend had given his life to Jesus at a great revival. His friend says, you need to come to me with me, with me to this church because my life has been drastically changed. He goes with his friends to the church. He has a six-inch afro. He would dance at this place called Studio 54, one of the great, greater dancers. People look forward to seeing him dance. But he was full of drugs and full of a life that was lost. He goes to this church, sits in the back. He, he, he's, he's just full of, he's drunk and he's high and he's all of it at the same time. But all he remembers is opening his eyes. He was at the altar and he was giving his life to Jesus. Six months later, a pastor takes him in and helps him and disciples him. He goes to three years of Bible school. After those three years of Bible school, he meets a girl right there in the city of New York. They get married. And when they get married, it just it was a little bit of time later that they were assigned to go to Brooklyn, New York to start a church. And they had a son that was 18 months old. And that was me. Can I tell you? Can I tell you that it took somebody having a shameless persistence on my dad 
to say, you need to, you need to experience what I experienced. You need to be a part of what I had. And if it wasn't for that friend that invited that friend, I wouldn't be standing before you today. You see, I believe that there's destiny inside of every single one of us. But it's going to take us to have a, a heart of compassion that opens the door. You see, we need to have a posture towards others. And, and so you may say, how do I do this? How do I, how do I ask? How do I seek? How do I knock? The first thing I say is we need to have a life of prayer, not only for ourselves, but a prayer for others. The Bible calls this intercessory prayer. Many of you are football fans here? Yes? Are you, many of you mourning what happened with the Bengals? I'm sorry that my Chiefs did that. Um, but I do want to say that there's something that happens in a football game. It's called an interception. The interception, we know well what it is. It's when the, the quarterback throws the ball and the opposing team somehow intercepts and grabs that ball before it makes a connection to the teammate. Intercessory prayer, interception is what we, those two words are aligned. In fact, they're the same word. When we can stand in the gap and intercept somebody's pain and bring it to God, we are in an intercessory prayer. What that means is that when you have a loved one that's sick, put yourself in the position of that person that is sick and you pray on their behalf. And watch how God will answer the door to that through prayer when we all together put ourselves for the needs of others. God wants us to have intercessory prayer. Number two, he wants us to have a heart to serve others. That's why I love what you guys are doing right here in the 419. That's what I love what you guys are doing by serving in serve teams all over this church. That's the culture that God loves. We're called to serve others. Number three, giving towards the needs of others, the generosity. That not only with our talents and our time, but with our treasures, we could give back to those that don't know and that also need the bread. In this season, God wants to reveal hidden things to you. That's, that's something that I had to add last night as I was praying and being with all of you today. God is in a season, and you are in a season where God wants to reveal some hidden things to you. Things that have been kept away for such a time as this. And I want to share this word that I believe is a prophetic word for all of you. In this year, you will recover it all. Amen. Somebody needs to celebrate that in advance. Because after three crazy years... Many of you have lost a whole lot. You've lost loved ones. You've lost possessions. You've lost your peace. You've lost just the comfort of knowing who you are and the identity of who you are in Christ. And God is saying that in this season, if you're willing to knock for the, on behalf of others, God is saying, I will help you recover it all. Everything that the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use for your good. Can somebody celebrate that here today? Jeremiah 33.3 is an interesting passage, and we know it well. I like how the Amplified Version uh, puts it together, because he says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, that you don't distinguish, you don't recognize, and you don't have a knowledge of or understand. That word call in the Hebrew is kara. You learned the Hebrew word today, kara with a Q. And that word kara means to utter a loud sound with the name of God. See, God is wanting us to do like little Keith did knocking on my ring camera. He wants us to call out to him. And if we're willing to call out to him with a shameless persistence, he's going to show us hidden things. 
fenced in things that we never knew even existed. If we turned all these lights off right now, and, and, and everybody stayed really quiet, and all of a sudden, Pastor Chad walked in, and, 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 and walked in with a flashlight or something, but and then all of a sudden, the lights turn on and everybody says, surprise. That would be pretty cool, especially for his birthday. Just giving you guys some ideas. I'm just saying, Pastor Chad, you didn't hear that. Like, just, we're going to cut that off that, the, the, the live stream. Here's what we know. When the lights turned on, it's not when you guys showed up. You were always here. It's just that the light revealed that you were here. There are things that have always been around you, but God has kept hidden for such a time as this. And he's going to reveal them to you if you're willing to call out to him. He's going to show you fenced in, hidden things that you really need to know and that you really need to have. I want to finish with this story of uh, what we're doing around the world, but specifically Ukraine. Ukraine really has been one of a, a unique disaster uh, for us at Convoy uh, because we're responding to the war in Ukraine. And we're responding because these people have had to flee. Over 24 million people now have fled from Ukraine to all the surrounding cities. And because of Convoy's uh, existing programs in all the surrounding cities, we were able to respond right away. Uh, these people are coming uh, with great need, and it's caused us to send containers. We've sent over 600 containers thus far into Ukraine with goods, with medical supplies, with formula for babies, uh, with food, and now we're sending uh, uh, generators to help them in the winter so they could be able to stay warm. But we, we acquired in Poland, we acquired a warehouse, not knowing that right across from the warehouse, right across the street, is a World War II concentration camp. We didn't know this was there when we were looking to get this warehouse, this distribution center, but I just find how God in his infinite wisdom would use a bad thing now for a good thing. I just love how God can use that pain from World War II and now bring great hope because the same railway that would, that would rail people in uh, to, be, to be killed and terminated, on the other side of that railway across the street is now a warehouse where truckloads of, of unmarked vehicles are going back into Ukraine to bring hope to those that need it most. I, you can celebrate Jesus for that. The church in Poland, the church in Romania was empty and was dying. But these people that were, they were not expecting have now showed up in their churches. Can I tell you that many of the Russian soldiers that have uh, quit and said, I don't want to fight this war anymore, are sitting on the same pew with Ukrainian people. And they're being saved and they're being baptized. All because we gave food and we gave them formula and we gave them first aid kits and because we were there to help them because of the local church stepping in. You see, Convoy of Hope gives the goods, but it's the local church that's the hub that stays after Convoy of Hope leaves. You see, the local church continues to be the hope for every community and for every city. And so they, they formed this choir, and what really touches my heart is what I want to play for you today right as we close it's this choir that's singing a song called Praise the Lord. And this is what the lyrics are saying as they play it in just a second. It says, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hope ha has been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let 
the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise the Lord. Listen to this. Praise God for that. I want us to take a moment. If we could put ourselves in their seat, and we obviously can't. We can't even understand how they could lose all their possessions and leave their country to be in a foreign country. But to think that they've lost loved ones, they've lost things, they've lost people, they've lost friends, and they still have an ability in their midnight hour to praise the Lord. It reminds me of Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas, for doing the will of God, are imprisoned. They're chained, and they still find it, found it within them to praise the Lord. And when they praise the Lord, you, we know what happens for those that know the Bible. Within time, the earth shook, and the prison doors opened, and they were set free. And if you read further, which sometimes we don't read further on besides the earthquake and the doors opening, the prison, uh, the, 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 the prison soldier that was keeping them in that prison was going to kill himself. And Paul said, no, 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 don't do that. This all has happened for you to be saved and for your family to be saved and for your whole household to be saved. What if what you're going through right now, the pain and the anguish is serving a purpose so that other people may know of the bread of life, Jesus Christ. So as we close today, I'd like to invite all of you, us to stand together. And this is, this is the clarion call for us today. It's midnight. It's midnight. And there's a harvest of people that are coming. Some of them we know personally. Some of them are family members. Some of them maybe even in this room. You may be here right now. You were invited by a friend to be a part of this church and visit this church. Well, we want to let you know there's bread. There's bread here for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life that came to earth for every single one of us. But today we want to knock on heaven's door. We want to knock on the door for those that are lost and oppressed persecuted. We want to knock on the door for, for this city. The 419 needs Jesus like never before. We want to pray for our country. We want to knock on heaven's door for our loved ones, for the lost, for the persecuted. So if you're comfortable with it, can you put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? It's a sign of unity. It's a sign that we are the family of Christ Jesus. I'm so glad that uh, the pandemic is over because it, it, it separated us. And the church of God is a family. 
the family. I really believe that. You know, I'm the oldest of three kids. My younger brother has cerebral palsy. The first five years of his life, he lived in the hospital. It was the church that helped raise me and my brother. I have aunts and uncles that are not blood. The church helped us. And uh, I believe that we have friends that need Jesus. And so I want to pray today. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to step out of your comfort zone. And if you pray quietly, just, just lift your, vo- your volume a little higher. I want you to do like Keith, knocking on my door. And don't be ashamed. It won't be, it won't be crazy. It won't be crazy. I'm not asking you to paint your face and put your, the Bengals colors on or the Ohio State colors on. I'm not asking any. I'm just saying, call out to your God as if you have a need. that You need bread for your friends. And so let's, let us pray and let's just ask God right now. I believe God, the heaven's doors are going to open because God's going to surprise you this year. You're going to recover it all. I really felt that last night as I was praying over you. God's going to help you recover it all. Father God, we thank you. We bless your name and we cry out to you. We call out to you, God, because we want you to show us hidden things. Lord, we're knocking on heaven's door. We're knocking on heaven's gates and we're saying, God, our friends are coming and we need bread. We need bread, God. We, we want to be the resource of those that need you. That you could flow the blessing through us and you can trust us, God, that the same way you blessed us, we want to bless others. That we may be a house of worship and that we, we may be a house of praise, but we also may be a house of generosity for those that need you. Lord, the, our friends are coming and we need you. We need the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And therefore, God, we're asking for those that are struggling in a broken marriage. We're asking for those that are struggling with anxiety and depression. God, we're asking for those that are lost and oppressed by the enemy's schemes. But Lord, we're believing right now that hope is coming. Hope is coming through you, Jesus. And you're using every single one of us to do so. So God, we open up our minds and we open up our hearts so that we may be your instruments. We may be your tools. That God, you may use us to bring the hope and compassion, the disruptive compassion that our family needs and our friends need and our church needs and our community needs and our nation needs and our world needs if we do not stop knocking. We will not stop knocking, God, until we see our friends saved. We will not stop knocking, God, until we see our family saved. We will not stop knocking, God, until we see those that need you most saved. Because that's what you've called us to do and be. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Is there a church in Ohio that could celebrate him and praise him right now, right here? Let's take 10 seconds to praise him right here in the name of Jesus. Pastor Manny. Thanks for challenging us. Oh, it's great. Thanks for y'all are awesome. <laughs> thanks for flying to from a cold place to a just as cold place. Yes. I, I know we don't live in Orlando, and it's not cold in Orlando. <laughs> and challenging us, Calvary people are knocking in our lives mm-hmm. here in Toledo, around the world. So thank you for doing that, Calvary. Will you sit down for a minute? We are going to do what we always do with our missionaries, Pastor Manny. What is something we can be praying for you in this next year? We love to ask our missions partners so that we can remember one thing for the whole year. I appreciate that. In the first service, I asked for my kids. This one, I'd like to ask. You know, we uh, we oversee the network, what we call church relations. Church relations is an opportunity for us to equip and mobilize churches for this great cause through Convoy of Hope that we get to link arms and just really build a, a real strong relationship with the church to reach more and reach further. And so uh, just pray that God gives us favor and discernment 
for this new season to reach more churches and connect with more churches. Do you see what he did? He had a, a different prayer request in first service. Yeah. Now you're trying to get two. I'm just saying. Next service, it's going to be something different, isn't it? <laughs> so the first thing he did ask in first service is they've just moved, like he said, from Orlando to Springfield. It's a little bit of a trek. So praying that they get connected, but they left two young adult sons in Orlando uh, going to school, mm -hmm. starting their adult lives. And so you can imagine their mom and dad heart is stretching. So we're going to pray for that. If you're a parent, you know what that's like. And then we're going to pray that the Lord will continue to not only use you in local churches, but local churches will hear the call uh, to being a part of what's happening around the world. Covery, will you reach your hand out right from where you are as we pray today? Lord, thank you so much for Pastor Manny, for his wife and their sons. I pray that in this transition that you would be so evident, Lord, that you would be with his boys, that you would cover them, uh, lead them and guide them, Lord. Thank you for the foundation that he and his wife have been able to build for all these years. Pray for his wife and Manny as they get plugged into Springfield. Lord, help them to find connection, true community there. And Lord, we pray for each and every church around the world that partners with Convoy. Maybe they're on the front lines in a country where there's a disaster, or maybe they're here in America, um, and we're saying, how can we help? So Lord, I pray that you would allow Manny and his team to uh, just spread the word, Lord, the word of what you are doing so that lives can be changed. We give you all these things. We praise you and ask blessing on his life in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary, let's thank him thank for you. his time with us today. Today, we are celebrating missions at Calvary. And it is something that we love talking about because it is something we are passionate about. For years, not just years, for decades, Calvary has been concerned with missions because we know that there are people who are out there knocking in not only in our city, but around the world. Uh, even from the first moments that those families started this church, they've always said missions will be a priority. And I'm so thankful that we get to still declare that today. Since 1999, some of you weren't even born yet. Since 1999, as a church, we have given over $9 million to missions. I know that we stand up here every Sunday and say, thanks for giving, um, but it's so true. Because of your giving, both here and the generations that have come before us, we have seen miracles happen all over this world. And so today, as a leadership team, we have really felt like this year the Lord is calling us to engage more with missions, to do more, to go more, to give more. And so on your way out, you will find magazines in our hallways. This is our 2023 missions plan. So if you want to know what's happening at Calvary, how you can be involved, what the Lord is doing, you're going to want to grab one of these, take it home. I do hope that it doesn't end up in that pile. You know that pile we have? Things we'll get to. I went through my pile last night and I was like, oh, I, there's some of these things I should have already gotten to. Let this be something that the Lord starts to stir in your heart. When you flip through this magazine, you will see not only our 134 partners that we give to monthly, who are working all around the world to see God's name proclaimed. You'll also see about the mission trips that we'll be taking this year. And then most importantly, you'll see our eight life-giving projects that we as a church are committing to. There's a map in the book, looks like this. You're familiar with it. It's the world. And we've divided it into eight different regions. And so we're committing to doing 
a project in every region. Pastor Manny is here today, not because we knew, well, partially because we knew he'd have a great word for you, but also because Convoy is one of our projects this year that we're saying, Lord, how can we give so that more can know? How can we give so that more people's lives can be touched, whether it's through food, through teaching them skills, through empowering people? And we are so excited. Our goal this year if we give all that we can give so that every 134 missionary gets their monthly support from us, that we fill all eight projects, we need $435,000. Whoo, guys, that's a big number. Do you see it? Is it up there? It's a lot. That's a big number. But the thing that is really cool about that number is that this year in 20, oh, not this year, last year in 2022, we had a record-breaking missions year and gave very close to that amount. So when you look at those numbers, it's very possible because through God, all things are possible. But this is why I love being part of a church that loves so well and gives so generously. And so I'd encourage you to grab this magazine and to go home and not just to ask the Lord what he would want you to give, but ask the Lord, how do you want me to engage in missions more this year? How do you wanna stir my heart? What people group do you want me to pray for? What missionary should I hang on my fridge? so that I can be remembering them each and every day as I pray. So go home and pray about what the Lord would have you do this year so that we can see lives change because those numbers are big numbers, but those numbers represent lives that will be changed because a missionary went or because convoy fed somebody or because a Bible was translated into a language it's never been in before. So we are so excited. I'm gonna pray for not only the day, but for what the Lord has called us to this year. And then we're gonna go and we're gonna see lives change. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our city, in our state, our country, our world. Man, we are so thankful, Lord, that you allow us to be a part of it with you. You are so powerful, you don't need us but you allow us to walk alongside of you. We get to do this with you. So help us to be obedient. Lord, speak to us as individuals. What are you asking from us this year? How can we engage more with what you are doing? Stir our hearts, Lord, that we can give so that others may know more about you. I pray that you would be with us this week as we go, that you'd allow these words to penetrate our heart. Lord, that we would be reminded to reflect back on them throughout this week. Lord, I pray for blessing and for favor as we go out this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary, have a great Sunday. We will see you next week.